0: Welcome to Find Your Edge by Reflection where we discuss the real-life applications of neurofitness and how they'll shape our future.
1: Do athletes have a sixth sense when it comes to anticipating a penalty kick or deciphering whether to swing at an iffy strike zone pitch? Yes and no. It's a mix of stellar hand-eye coordination, probably some past experience that helps athletes kind of anticipate where the ball's going to go, and really good old-fashioned training. So to explain that concept, my guest today on the podcast is Dr. Daniel Labby. Owner of Sports Vision NYC. Labby began his work in sports vision more than two decades ago with the LA Dodgers, and that relationship continued for 18 seasons. He's a board certified ophthalmologist specializing in sports and performance vision. His work includes understanding the role of vision in sports and how those, in terms of evaluation, can help correct and enhance sports behavior. Daniel, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: So before we dive into kind of answering my sixth sense kind of hypothetical question, let me ask you, how did you become interested in eye, hand, visual, motor reaction time as it relates to vision?
0: Well, it all started uh, years back, about 30 years ago when I was doing my, my fellowship in uh, Los Angeles and the, uh, the Dodgers were interested in what they could use in terms of vision to help them perform better and, and, and get to where they are where they are now kind of fell into a, a project that had to do with the people that are working in pediatric ophthalmology because what's important to sports is also important to kids' vision. And that started the process of exploring why, what is there about vision that's important? What is there about vision that can impact performance? It went from simple visual things like how do you, how well do you see to the, these more complex things of, of eye-hand coordination.
1: And so along the way, you founded Sports Vision NYC. Tell me kind of how that came about.
0: Well, what we found was uh, with the Dodgers, our work went year after year, and we tested more players, and we gave feedback, and we corrected things, and uh, the team seemed to be appreciative of that and interested in that, and other teams heard about it, and and the front office people moved around to different different teams, and the number of teams grew and grew and grew so that it became uh, eventually a large part of my clinical practice, and now actually is the largest part of my clinical practice of taking care of patients is actually taking care of athletes.
1: So back to this idea of an athlete's kind of sixth sense. I mean, it's not a sense as much as it's a very coordinated event between um, our body's visual cues and and motor systems. So I guess will you take us quickly back to biology class and kind of explain what's happening in an elite athlete's body and let's use baseball as an example. Like when he steps up to the bat and he sees that pitch coming to him, what are some of those processes happening inside of their minds and bodies that pertain to what sports vision does?
0: That's a great question because one of the the fundamental points we try to make is that every sport has a different constellation of visual skills needed to, to perform optimally. And so even though baseball has been termed the most difficult thing to do in all sports, sports, hitting, hitting a baseball, other sports such as basketball or soccer, football, all require some overlapping but many different visual skills. For example, we did some work with the U.S. Olympic team prior to the Beijing Games in 2008. And we wrote a paper and published it uh, about the visual skills of many of those different sports. And what we found was when people ask us who has the best vision, we really can't say because every sport has a different requirement. The boxers don't have such sharp vision as the archers do, but the boxers have really good depth perception compared to the archers who don't need any depth perception because their target is totally flat. And so the key thing to understand is each sport is different. Now, baseball being one of the most difficult sports visually to perform really tweaks our interest because that's where we can uh, make the most impact, I think. Not to say that we can't have other sports, but baseball is unique. And in baseball, we think about uh, what we've constructed as a vision pyramid. And just like the pyramids in Egypt and in South America, that they're only as strong as their base is. And if their base is built well, they can build level on top of level all the way up to a very tall pyramid. And the bottom line of that vision pyramid in baseball has to do with how well do you actually see your sharpness of vision and your ability to detect contrast. In other words, how, how light or how dark a target has to be against a background for you to still be able to see it. And as we build that pyramid up, we go from the visual functions into more neurologic functions, because really, truthfully, our eyes are just a camera. Our brain is what takes that image and actually uses it to make a decision, to bring in memory, to bring in training, to decide if you're going to make a motor action, in this case, swing or not. And then you have to tie in that motor action with visual information, another level in the pyramid. And if each of those levels are optimal, you'll get to the top of the pyramid, and let's say you'll be the, the most valuable player of baseball that year.
1: I'm curious. So you, I have identified, I guess, different levels of vision that are needed for various sports. The other example I referenced in the Open was in, in soccer. When a keeper is waiting for a penalty kick to come to come their way, that seems like an impossible reaction time to be able to see where the ball is going, which direction, and then be able to tell your body to move in the right direction. How does that
0: work? Yeah, absolutely. And just like the, the goalkeeper and just like the batter, you've seen batters swing at pitches and look ridiculous that they're swinging totally the wrong place. You've seen goalkeepers make a movement in one direction and the ball goes 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Vision is only part of it. There, there's vision, there's experience, there's obviously skill, there's bias, um, what you think about your opponent, and all that's going to play in together to make that decision when, how, and in which way to act to try to intercept a goal kick or to intercept the ball and hit it out of the ballpark.
1: This type of coordination, I mean, one, it can be measured, and then can it be trained?
0: Absolutely, and that, that's that's really our approach. Our approach is a very very much medical approach to to vision and sports vision in general, that we want to practice what's called evidence-based medicine. Uh, you wouldn't expect to go to the doctor and, no matter what your complaint was, get the same treatment, the same pill. We don't have the same thing in sports. We don't expect people to all require the same intervention. So it's a matter of evaluating the ability of the player. It's a matter of benchmarking that ability against what's required for his sport, And then it's a matter of seeing if we can intervene to correct him to the normal level for the sport, or even perhaps better than that, if that is indicated to actually enhance his performance on the field or on the court. And this is all based on on published peer-reviewed scientific research. And without that peer-reviewed scientific research, we're just really shooting in the dark. And so what we need is to show what the norms are first for the sport, then we need to show how can we train somebody to get to that normal level, And then we have to ask the question, if we train them past that to get even better, is there value in that? Do we actually get enhanced on-field performance that way?
1: So you recently uh, published a a paper uh, referencing the hand-eye coordination of professional baseball players, the relationship to batting. Tell me a little bit about that investigation or that paper and what its outcomes were.
0: Absolutely. So one of of the main things that you want to show is that when you're actually have a visual function that's important, whether it's a sharpness of vision, contrast, depth perception, or in this case, hand-eye coordination, whether that relates to actual on-field performance. You know, if you say you're going to measure someone's uh, color of their eyes, and if that's going to make a difference how they play, well, you better show that certain colors play better than other colors. Otherwise, we're not really talking science, we're just talking, um, we'll call it voodoo. <laughs> and and so what this paper did, uh, one of the first papers, actually another paper came out about the same time, that described using a different system the same the same results. What the paper showed was that based on your hand-eye coordination ability, we have the ability to predict whether you're going to be in the top 20 percent or the bottom 20 percent of batters with specific batting metrics that we call plate discipline metrics. And
1: so, some of the things that were considered were uh, whether or not this person was a rookie or a veteran. How did that play into the results?
0: Well, some of that some of that's important. You have to keep in mind that people that aren't veterans. Uh, a a subset of them are going to become major league uh, batters and they have those skills when they start out. Uh, Also keep in mind that different levels of major league baseball aren't quite as you would think. A doesn't go to double A, doesn't go to triple A, then goes on to major major league, which is the kind of obvious progression. Many, many double A players go right to the major leagues and the triple A level is really considered a a reservoir, if you will, of, of major league talent. And so it's not quite as stratified as you might think, as A is worse than B, you know, double A and double A is worse than triple A and so forth. Uh, It's a little bit more mixed up than that. But what we did find was that certainly people in the major league levels tend to perform better than people in the minor league levels, especially if you compare it to the low minor league levels.
1: I'm reminded of the book and movie Moneyball where they were able to identify players that wouldn't necessarily roll off the tongue and wouldn't be household names, but on paper, uh, per the analytics, were very valuable. Uh, is that the same thing here, where there could have been players in the the very lowest leagues that could be performing on par or even better than someone in the major league?
0: Well, remember that the, the major league pitching is different than the minor league pitching, um, and there is some progression on the on the pitching side of things as well. Uh, but we, we've we seen there are many examples of double A players who start out and skip right up to the to the major leagues. There's players that even a couple come to mind now that 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 before they're even signed, you know, they're going to be major league players just because you've seen them in college and, and, and after that. And so those people go straight through. But these visual skills and the hand light coordination, for example, uh, give the ability to a team to focus their resources a little bit more on which players uh, have the better chance of moving forward. Uh, allows them to focus their resources to draft players you know that are more useful. In general, only about 5% of minor league players make it to the major league level. That means a 95% attrition rate. So if you can make a small movement of that needle, a la Moneyball, to make instead of 5 seven, ten 7%, 10% success rate of choosing players to make to the major leagues. You've made a major contribution to your, your team, your team's effort to have a well-stocked major league team.
1: Well, we're talking about athletes at the very highest level of athleticism, but what are some of the lessons or the takeaways that we can grasp for an everyday sense for you know either Youth athletes or people that are just amateur athletes, kind of weekend warriors. Uh, what are some, I guess, some takeaways or some information that they should have they may find interesting about sports vision?
0: Well, as I mentioned before, every sport has a different spectrum of requirements, and um, there's there's recent recent uh, writings and books about the ten thousand ten thousand hour rule and about not not deciding too early about what sport you want to play and so forth. Uh, one of the things that may help someone decide where to put their their eggs in which basket, if you will, of which sport might be some of these vision uh, tests, these hand-eye coordination tests. More and more publications come out uh, every year about the visual requirements of different sports. And if someone matches their their abilities to that sport, they may find that they have a leg above other people that may not have those abilities for them to move forward. And in general, if you're, you're better at a sport, you enjoy it more, you move forward faster, you move forward further, and that then becomes something that is beneficial.
1: As a professional in ophthalmology and, and a medical professional, uh, what can you tell us that, that you're seeing on the horizon in terms of technology and uh, new approaches, new thought processes that's going to surprise us or we'll find interesting?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, you know, thinking about uh when I started in this field 1992 to where we are today, it's it's amazing how how technology, how mathematics, statistics, how interest has has really logarithmically increased over the that period. Uh and when there's more interest, there's more people working in the area and there's then more available interventions and testing paradigms that I can use to help to apply to the right conditions for the right players. We talked a little bit about moneyball and about that the the idea of analytics and the ability to easily review large databases you know we we, we test probably around a thousand professional baseball players every spring during spring training and that's a large number of of data points Uh, our papers are published in three to five hundred individual unique subjects so we're talking about large numbers so we need the software we need the analytical ability to look at those databases and things that were much harder computationally 30 years ago now become much simpler And so from that aspect, that makes my life easier. But for the athlete's perspective, there's lots of uh, different directions that people are using, whether it's uh, external brain stimulation, for example, to improve vision, to improve motor coordination, uh, reaction time strength. There's commercially available devices on the market that can do that, to having the ability to wear a very small pair of glasses, just like a normal pair of glasses, but to know from those glasses what someone's looking at when they're on the field or on the court. There was a great video on, on YouTube about Ronaldo, what he's looking at when he's trying to keep the ball away from defender and what the defender is looking at. And the difference is, is is amazing in that skill ability and what, what he's actually doing. So that device has been very helpful to us. Um, software packages that people have put together to enhance reaction times, coordination, anticipation, planning, motor planning, decision making, all these things add together to really elevate, available to everybody, but to elevate the the play and to really make it very exciting to be a part of this field in, in this time.
1: These glasses you're talking about, are these Tony Stark's glasses?
0: <laughs> uh, a couple of companies make them. Uh, Apple just bought one of the companies completely because I think they're going to put that into their system. And there are a couple other companies that are out there doing them.
1: All right, then. Well, uh, really fascinating stuff. I think uh, it'll be interesting to watch this develop and see how this is being used uh, both behind the scenes and as it becomes more prevalent in sports and other capacities, too. So, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me.
0: My pleasure.